Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We have pastors standing by every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time to take those calls, to pray for those prayer requests, along with everyone who's listening um, on all the different stations we're on. We'll get to that in a second. But we're also here to answer the questions you have about the Bible. So if you have been reading your Bible, maybe there's something you've always wondered about and never were sure where was a good place to ask that kind of question, or maybe... Uh, you have something going on in your life and you want to know what does God's word have to say about it? Does the Bible speak to that situation? This is the place for you today. Call us with those kinds of questions. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 with your Bible questions and your prayer requests. And you can also text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven for the text line. I want to welcome those who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. So glad to have you. Today is October twenty first. It is a Friday. If you are listening to this today uh, on October 21st. You're hearing the show live. And so welcome to those listeners listening live on Grace FM as well as on gracefm.com and the Grace FM app. If you haven't yet downloaded the Grace FM app onto your phone or tablet, if you haven't hooked it up yet with your smart speaker, you got to get on that because that's a great resource for you just to have those. I know that personally, I listen to the radio when I'm in the car, but uh, when I'm not in the car, if I'm in my home, things like that. I listen all over the internet on gracefm.com through smart speakers and things like that. And and of course the app. This is a free app. If you're looking for it, you can find it by going to gracefm, no spaces, just one word, gracefm. If you type that into the search bar in the app store, Google Play store, it'll come right up. It's a free app. You can get it. You can listen to it anywhere in the world uh, in this show, as well as the other Bible teaching programs that are on Grace FM. I can see a list right now, a map of people who are tuning in on the app and online. So welcome to those of you. We've got some listeners in looks like Las Vegas area today, Southern California, of course here on the Front Range, as well as in Dallas, Texas area. We've got listeners around Kansas City and it looks like Chicago and Florida. We've got listeners on the East Coast and several other places. So welcome to all of you who are tuning in online and over the app, as well as those listening on Grace FM here in Colorado, up into southern Wyoming. We also want to greet those who are listening on the Radio by Grace network of stations all over the United States, especially in the southern U.S. is where they have stations, but they do have stations in several states. And so if you're listening on the Radio by Grace network, 
Welcome to the program. So glad to have you with us. You're also hearing the show live today. And we also want to greet our listeners on the East Coast, on Hope FM, in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee, and those listening on Higher Rock Radio out of Meridian, Idaho. I was just in Meridian, well, I was in Boise, actually, but I was with the pastor of the Calvary Chapel Church in Meridian, Idaho, who runs Higher Rock Radio out of their church. Um, really great brother out there. Got to do some things last week. That's why I wasn't hosting uh, last week. I was in uh, Boise, Idaho, working with several Calvary Chapel churches and a few other non-Calvary Chapel but like-minded churches there in the Treasure Valley of Idaho, doing a training for uh, preachers and teachers of God's Word called Expositors Collective. It was a really cool event and uh, would encourage any of you who are interested in that and maybe upcoming events, if you're just hearing about it for the first time, you can find more information by going to expositorscollective.com. But we just did one in Idaho, and I just uh, it was great to get to connect with some people out there who said that they um, you know, had heard Calvary Live on their local station, and some of you had even you know, been listeners and callers into this show. So it was really uh, an honor to meet many of you out there in person in Idaho. So greetings to you. Just a heads up that those listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, and Higher Rock Radio, you hear the show on a one-week delay. So just be aware of that, but I never want that to be something which hinders anyone from calling in because I think it's actually, there's a unique opportunity even in that where you are able to say, I've got a whole week where I get to call in, and then I've got a whole week to tell everybody I know to tune in, hear me on the radio, I'm going to be on it this time, on this day, and that might be a great way for you to introduce people in your local area to the station that you listen to this show on, and maybe get them also listening to some of the other Bible study programs on there. And we know that as God's Word goes out, it never comes back void. It accomplishes that which He sends it out to do. And so we know that God will be working in people's lives. Who knows what could happen? It could become a, a preset. They might hear God speak to them through one of the Bible studies on that station. We hear testimonies like that all the time. And so we'd love for you to get the Word out, whether you're listening on a one-week delay or whether you're listening live today. So Again, the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 for the call-in line. The text line is 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself before we get to our first caller. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a Calvary Chapel affiliated church here in the great city of Longmont, Colorado. That's where I'm broadcasting from today. And I have the pleasure and the honor of being your host here every Friday on Calvary Live and just love connecting with you, love hearing from you, praying for your prayer requests, and answering your questions. So definitely give me a call. Love to hear from you today. Um, our church meets at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado. If you didn't get that uh, address that time when I said it just now, you can always go to our website and you can find directions there. You can also just search us up on your search engine or your uh, maps apps and you can find out more about us. But we have three services every Sunday morning. And I personally invite you, if you are within driving distance of 
our church and of Longmont, we would love to have you come and worship with us. We study through books of the Bible on Sunday mornings. We're currently studying through the book of 2 Corinthians, and our study this Sunday is going to be from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 7 through 18, and the title is Approved by God. And what we're going to see there is the difference between searching for approval in other people's approval or searching for God's approval primarily and what those two paths can lead to and how we can actually find God's approval, how it's offered to us in Jesus. And that as our faith and trust is in him, just as the father said to Jesus, the son, this is my son, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased that when we are in Christ, that is how God sees us and how God speaks about us. And so we'll be talking about that and other things this Sunday as we study second Corinthians chapter 10. We'd love to have you come and join us, bring a friend. We'll be presenting the gospel and we'd love it if you'd come and hear it and bring someone else who needs to hear the gospel as well. Our services are at 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. Currently, we're under construction here at the church, and this is a kind of an exciting Sunday for us because it's our last Sunday in our, what we now call our old orientation. We're actually going to be changing our sanctuary. We've been doing some construction to double the size of it, and so next Sunday, we will be in our new uh, sanctuary orientation. This Sunday, we're still in the old one, but a lot of things are changing around here as far as the building is concerned, and we'd love for you to see it and celebrate what God's doing here. So find more information, service times, all that good stuff over on our website, whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com, and consider yourself, if you're in the local area, personally invited to join us. For those who are not in our local area, you can also join us online if you'd like to do that. Same place on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. Dot com. You can also hear me on Grace FM. I'm on twice daily, uh, weekdays at 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Well, let's go over to our first caller. We've got Douglas in Maryland. Hi, Douglas. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you, brother? Doing great. What's up? Awesome. Hey, real quick. So, um... Yeah, just call with a prayer request, man. Um, I'm involved in uh, a Celebrate Recovery ministry for uh, my local church, and um, I'm in leadership there. And I don't know, I just felt, I always listen to you guys' program, and when I feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to call and ask for prayer, uh, you know, I try to, you know, be, to not quench the Spirit. So I just, uh, yeah, just prayer for the Holy Spirit to be present tonight. I know um, it's a pretty big celebrate recovery. I know there's um, at least, you know, a handful of people that are coming in there really broken up and just, I just encourage and be up. And if they heard about Jesus, that they would hear about it tonight. Okay. Well, let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we lift up Douglas to you in the Celebrate Celebrate Recovery program that he's going to be part of. Lord, we pray just for an openness in those who come. We pray that um, as they come, we do pray for two things. One is that they would acknowledge their need for you, but that they would understand also that you're a God who doesn't, um, you know, put out a smoldering wick and a broken reed. You know, he doesn't break even further. It doesn't destroy it. Lord, thank you that you are one who is gentle and lowly in the way that you relate to us. And so, Lord, we ask that um, people who are coming there, they would 
they would find in you the all in all that you are, that they would see you for the God of all grace, for those who come humble and broken seeking grace, and Lord, for others, that they would find you as the God who is calling them out of addiction, calling them out of sin, and calling them to a new and better life of holiness. And so, Lord, we ask for your blessing upon this meeting. We pray that the name of Jesus would be proclaimed in truth, that it be proclaimed with clarity, and that many people would turn to you and believe as a result of this meeting tonight. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you so much. And uh, yes, God bless you in this ministry. Awesome. Thanks, Douglas. Great to hear from you. God bless. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Give us a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That text number again is 720-336-0897. 0897. We did receive a couple text messages. One person uh, asked that we mention Radio by Grace as well. I believe I did mention them, but hey, it's worth mentioning again. We are part of the Radio by Grace. We are um, This show is part of the Radio by Grace network of stations, which has stations all over the U.S., and they are broadcasting the show live. So for those of you maybe in the, some of the southern United States or in some of the other areas, um, We are so glad to have you, and we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 303-690-3000, with your Bible questions and your prayer requests and and the text line. You can also text us at 720-336-0897. We got in another text message asking that we pray for um, Higher Rock Radio, which is one of the stations that we're broadcasting on, and that is in Meridian, Idaho because they are looking to go from low power to higher power over the next year and reach more people with Bible studies and the Word of God and this question and answer show. So let's pray for Higher Rock Radio right now. Lord, we we lift up Higher Rock Radio to you. We ask, Lord, that this process um, of going from low power to higher power, Lord, that you just make the way clear for them, that it would be easy and straightforward for them to get the permits that they need, for them to get the um, hardware and equipment that they need. And we pray, Lord, that you would open the way and let it go smoothly as they pursue this. Uh, Lord, pray that you give them the perseverance and the finances that they need to make this happen. And we pray that as a result, more people in that Treasure Valley would hear the name of Jesus and they'd hear the Word of God taught with clarity. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 in the call line, or you can text us at 720-336-0897 if you'd like to text in a question about the Bible or a prayer request. We'd love to pray for you, and we'd love to answer the questions you have. Um regarding scripture, regarding theology, regarding things going on in your life. We just got a text message in just now. Someone asked this, if a believer commits suicide, will they still go to heaven? Yeah, it's a really difficult question. Uh, it's one of those, right, where we we have to kind of just take what we do know and apply it 
to a situation which we're not we're not actually uh, told directly the answer to that question in the Bible. There is one passage that is sometimes used or has historically been used to address that situation, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but the um, that passage, in my opinion, does not actually speak about a believer committing suicide, though you know traditionally it has been used in that way. So to answer your question directly, if a believer commits suicide, will they go to heaven? My answer to you is this: uh, I think the answer is yes, but again, I don't want to. I don't want to presume to speak about things that I can't be sure about. So here's why I'm hesitant to say anything on this, but I will say that I do believe that, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Is because I would never want my answer, if I say yes to like encourage someone to harm themselves or to do something terrible. Do I, I'll answer this. I do believe that committing suicide is a sin. Uh, I believe that it's akin to the sin of murder, right? You're killing someone whom you do not have the right to kill, right? God has the right to give life and to take it away. And I don't have that right to take away another person's life. Uh, and that includes my own life. Right, so I need to submit myself to the Lord in this sense and understand His prerogative to give life and to take life, and I shouldn't do it. So to do it is a sin. Is it an unforgivable sin? That's the big question, right? Is it a sin that if you commit it, there's no coming back? And I think the answer to that is no. Um, I think that a person who is a believer can be so overcome with um, darkness that they give into the temptation to commit suicide. And I think that that is, um, you know, a very, very sad thing to think that someone would be so overcome by grief or by darkness that they would uh, want to take their own life. And so if that's you, I, I want to encourage you to reach out to the National Suicide Helpline. I'm going to give you that number right now if you need to write it down. Um, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline is, I'm looking for the number right now. Oh, you can actually, it's a, looks like it's a quick number. So you can just dial 988 on your phone. So kind of like 911, you just dial 988 and that'll take you to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. I think that's changed. It used to be a much longer number, but I'm glad that they've come up with something good uh, very to simplify it. So it's 988 and just push call on your phone and that will connect you to the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. And they also on the website, uh, if you go to it, they will, there's also an opportunity to chat with someone anonymously, which is really cool. Okay. So back to the question, will suicide send a Christian to hell? Again, I'm going to say no. Um, I think it's again, incredibly sad that, that someone would get to that place. And if that's you, uh, I want you to know we're praying for you and we'll pray for you here at the end of this um, discussion about this topic. Okay, so again, suicide without a doubt is a grave sin. But again, does such a sin cause a person to lose their salvation? Here's the hope that we have in Jesus is that when we stand before God, we will be judged not by the last thing that we did in our lives, but by the last thing that Jesus did in his life which was when Jesus gave his life for you on the cross. He took the judgment for your sins upon himself so that you, if your faith and trust is in him as your savior, so that you wouldn't have to bear that judgment. 
And so what that means is that all of our sins, you know, before we ever committed them, they were placed upon Jesus. God knew in his perfect knowledge what would happen, and he was prepared for that. And all of those sins have already been paid for by Jesus. He doesn't have to keep dying in order to pay for further sins that we commit. Now, the one passage that has historically been used about this is 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. And that says that you are the temple of the living God. And if anyone destroys the temple of the living God, then God will destroy him. Um, And so that verse has been used at times and sometimes historically by certain church denominations and groups to say that what that's speaking about is suicide, that you, meaning you as an individual, are the temple of God. And therefore, if you destroy your temple, meaning your body, then God will destroy you in hell. That's actually just a a bad interpretation of the passage for several reasons. One of the reasons is that when Paul says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, or the temple of God, yeah, you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you, the word you there is not in the uh, personal singular. It's in the plural, right? So it's like akin to how we would say y'all. And what that means is he's saying to the Corinthians, do you not know that you all together are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in all of you together? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. What it's referring to, you could think about like First Peter. Do you remember this passage in First Peter where he says that we all like living stones are being built up together into a holy habitation for God? That we as the congregation, we, you as an individual, are a brick and as we come together, we form the temple, right, of the living God, and God's Spirit dwells and moves among us. So what Paul's telling the Corinthians there is that not you as an individual are God's temple, but you, Corinthians, you as a church are the dwelling place of God's Spirit and the temple of God. The people are the church. And here's what he's telling the Corinthians. Do not dare destroy the church. And that by itself, by the way, is a very important message and a grave warning, right? That God takes it personally when people tear down his bride, the church. So what it's not talking about is suicide. Okay, so does it mean that suicide's okay? Of course not. Um, But you, you know what's really interesting is how that verse began to be applied to suicide. Uh, the the reason is I'll just give you a little short church history lesson. Uh, until what is called the Edict of Milan, which is also known as the Edict of Toleration, that's an edict which was given in 313 A.D. So prior to 313 A.D., Christianity had no legal status in the Roman Empire. It was what was known as religia illicitas, which means a an illicit religion, kind of like if you think of illicit drugs, right? So it was illegal to be a Christian. Um, there were there were permitted religions and there were non-permitted religions, and Christianity was in the non-permitted religion department, even though very large amounts of people identified as Christians and practiced Christianity. It was an underground religion, very much similar to how it operates nowadays in China. So during this period in which there was, you know, open persecution of Christians on the structural governmental level, 
many Christians were martyred and martyrs were highly regarded. In fact, there are some uh, books, you know, Perpetua and Felicitas is a famous book that was written. And it was the story of these two ladies who were martyred uh, for being Christians. And it was kind of like their diary. And it was a very popular book that many people would read because um, martyrs were highly regarded in the church of that day. And so many people felt that um, one of the ways, especially, this is an interesting thing, this kind of culture began to be created where women felt that the only way that they could really serve the Lord was by becoming a martyr. And so some people would would go too far with it, right, where they would try to get themselves martyred. And and so the church began to respond to that, right? These people like... Um, you know, trying to be martyred, like kind of like throwing themselves in front of the authorities and saying, hey, I'm a Christian. I heard you guys kill Christians. Well, then I'm a Christian. What are you going to do about it? And people would end up getting killed. And so the church kind of came in and this verse was one of the verses that they used where they said, well, you know, this verse here says that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and therefore don't destroy it or God will destroy you. And what they're kind of trying to do was put a question mark in people's minds of whether they would actually go to heaven because a lot of these people figured, hey, to live as Christ, to die as gain, maybe I should get myself martyred and just speed up the process of my difficult life and go to heaven. And so in order to kind of curb this trend towards people, um, you know, getting themselves martyred as a way to serve the Lord, um, the church responded by pointing out that this verse might speak about uh, this practice that they were doing, which was kind of akin to suicide. All that to say, a quick examination of the verse and its context shows you that it's not talking about suicide. So is suicide a sin? Absolutely. And you should not do it. And if you need help, con call 988, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And uh, But on the other hand, you can have confidence that those who in a moment of weakness, having trusted in Jesus, in a moment of weakness gave into something and harmed themselves, especially in this final way, uh, I believe that there is hope for their salvation. So let's pray for this uh, situation, and we'll go to our next caller. Lord, we pray for those right now who are listening who are perhaps tempted. Maybe they're hearing the lies of the enemy, telling them that people would be fine with it if they weren't around. Nobody would notice that people don't really love them, etc. Lord, we know that these thoughts are not from you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bind the enemy in the way that he wants to hurt people and harm them in this way. Lord, we pray for those listening that you give them strength by your spirit not to give in to the temptations to hurt themselves um, or to commit suicide. And we pray, Lord, for anyone out there right now who's really struggling, that you would, by your spirit, prompt them to reach out for help and to receive that help uh, in their moment of weakness. So, Lord, we pray for people to turn to you and receive healing, receive grace and acceptance and joy in you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're coming up on the mid-show break. Um, I'll tell you this. Uh, let's go right now to say hi to our next caller, and then we're going to probably go to our break right after that. But let me give you the numbers to call as well um, right before we go to our break. The number to call, 303 Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. With your Bible questions and your prayer requests, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's start this call here with David in Texas. Hi, David. Welcome to the program. David, 
We might have lost David there. Okay, David had a question, and we are going to get to that question after the break. But that does mean that we have open lines. So if you have a Bible question or a prayer request, give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. We'll get to David's question right after the break. But I just wanted to say, on that topic of suicide and salvation, or will suicide send you to hell, I've written a couple articles where I document some of the stuff that I mentioned to you, give you some Bible verses and some further explanation. You can find those on my website, nickkady.org. And if you just type suicide into the search bar, you'll see, I think there's three articles about it on there. So yeah, just nickkady.org, type suicide in the search bar. And if anyone listening would like me to text you that, just text us here at the show at 720-336-0897. We're going to be right back after our mid-show break here on Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or uh, you can call in with your prayer requests. We have pastors standing by every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. praying for those prayer requests on the air and answering those questions you might have about the Bible. So if there's something you've been wondering about, maybe in your Bible reading it came up, or if you're wondering uh, what the Bible has to say about a particular situation in life or in society, we'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. So I had mentioned that we had a caller uh, named David from Texas, and he here's his question. It's uh, texted in. He said, he saw a preacher advertising anointing oil using a recipe found in Exodus chapter 30. Is this an unbiblical practice since this was forbidden for use on humans in Exodus 30? 31 through 33. Here's what it says in those passages. It says, And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from the people. Yeah, the very interesting question. I'm going to just turn there in my Bible right now to Exodus 30, just to see a little bit of the context uh, for which this was written. Yeah, so it's the altar of incense. I see is a place where it's talking about the anointing oil and the incense. These are the things which were used in the temple. Um, and specifically here, chapter 30, verse 30, it says, this is the oil which was used to anoint Aaron and his sons and to consecrate them to uh, serve as priests to the Lord. And it makes it clear that this oil was not to be used for other people, that this was something that was to be consecrated and holy to the Lord. So, okay, David, my answer to you is 
I don't think this is a good idea to just go around, you know, looking for that and, um, you know, using, especially it looks like this TV preacher you saw was like marketing this and selling it. Oh, that just seems so wrong on, on many levels, right? Like trying to make a profit off of um, trying to recreate something, which the Bible makes very clear was not to be used outside of um, the anointing of the priests for their service to the Lord. I think this is one of those areas where we get into the issue of reverence. I think that many times in our society, um, you know, reverence is very much lacking. And I think that, um, you know, the fact that the Old Testament shows us that there are certain things that God says are really important, that he cares about the details, that he cares about us trusting him enough to do what he says. I, I always use that as a good definition of faith. Faith means trusting God enough to do what he says, even when you don't understand why he says what he says. You know, sometimes people will be like, well, I see that the Bible says this, but I don't, I don't get why it says that. So I'm not going to do it. Well, that that's actually like the definition of faith is doing what God says, trusting God enough to do what he says, even if you don't understand why he says to do it. A good example of this is the Old Testament dietary laws, which, you know, if you would have been an Israelite person, you know, 3000 years ago, and you would have got these, these dietary laws that said things like don't eat certain animals like pork, for example, or don't eat uh, shellfish you might have thought, well, this is just arbitrary. God's just making up rules. He doesn't want me to have fun. He doesn't want me to live my best life and eat like pork chops and lobster. Um, but then it turned out later on uh, throughout history, it turned out that God's law was actually good for the people and it kept them from getting sick by eating. You know, you can get really sick from undercooked pork. You can get really sick from, um, you know, undercooked shellfish. You, you can have all kinds of problems. In fact, you know, this is one of the things in Europe that kept the Jewish people from getting caught up in many of the uh, different plagues that came through is that they had these ritual washings that were given to them in the law of Moses that they did in faith, not knowing exactly why God wanted them to do this because they hadn't studied biology and, and about bacterias and things like that. And so what I believe that's true of us today as well. You know, when God says things like, don't be unequally yoked, sometimes people are like, well, I think it's better this way. Or, you know, save save sexual relations for inside the marriage covenant. And people say, well, I don't know. I think it'll work better this way. I think these are opportunities for us to trust God enough to do what he says and then watch how his word actually leads to greater amounts of joy, not less joy in our lives. So, um, yeah, I would say this looks like this person is doing something that even the Bible tells them not to do, and they're doing it for sordid gain. And I would just say, man, that's bad news. Stay away from that. So let's go to our next caller, Josh in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going? Going great. Um, so I kind of had a question. Um, when you're on a little bit. Um, but it's talking about, like, in First John, where it talks about um, whoever commits sin transgresses the law, uh, for sin is the transgression, manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. And then it says, uh, whosoever abides in him sins not, and whoever sins does not 
seen him nor knows him. So it was it was kind of just my intention of a lot of times when I talk to pastors about this, it's talking about intentional versus non-intentional sin. You know, how we accidentally slip up in our sin where it's not our actual intention, but it's just our flesh. But um, I don't know. I, I just get kind of get mixed up in this passage where it basically says you're of the devil if you sin. And I, even though I've never actually found it, uh, one Christian in my life has actually been sin-free, even though the Bible talks about it all the time with new birth and being born again. And he says uh, to walk as he did. And, you know, the first thing about Christianity is to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him. And it's, yeah. it's just a wrestle that I have in my spirit and soul of uh, am I even really saved because I sin? You know, because it says right there... Yeah basically you are of the devil because you sin. You know? Sure. Yeah. Let me, let me jump in and answer you. Okay. So um, the key to understanding this, there's a few, few really big keys. The first is understanding that John is using what's called dichotomous language, right? In other words, he's making a clear black and white statement is how generally how we would refer to that, right? You sin or you don't sin, right? It's all, all or nothing type of language. Now, that language is important because of the people that he was talking to. His primary audience for this is people who have been influenced by Gnosticism. And Gnosticism tried to say, oh, you know, the, there's a blurring of lines between the physical and the spiritual. And they would say it's okay to sin um, physically as long as, you know, because your physical body doesn't affect your soul. And John is saying he wants to be as clear as he possibly can be. Sin is bad. Don't do it. Especially don't do it on purpose, right? But then he says in chapter one, he makes it clear that Christians are people who still sin, right? I mean, that, that's very clear in chapter one where he says, if you say you don't sin, you make yourself a liar and the truth is not in you. You make God a liar uh, and the, his word is not in us. In other words, if we confess our sins, then he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he's saying, okay, number one, Christians are people who sin. Chapter two, verse one, my little children, here's why I'm writing this letter, so that you may not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. He is the propitiation for our sins. Okay, so he goes on and says all that. But I want you to understand this. What John talks about when he talks about sinning and not sinning, what John is talking about is a... Um, a practice. And he even says that, you know, if you practice sin, the love of the Father is not in you. You know, you have not known God if you practice sin. So what is he saying by practice? Well, what he's talking about, you can think about other things that you practice. You practice um, some things to get better at them, right? Like you practice your golf swing so that you can have a better golf swing tomorrow than you did yesterday. You practice the guitar so that you can get better at it. And the idea is that some people approach sin this way. They wake up in the morning hoping that they can sin better than they did yesterday, that they can be more effective and more efficient at, at sinning. And if that's your attitude towards sin, then John is rightly saying, hey, if that's your attitude, then watch out. Like you're, You might not even be in the faith at all. That's why the writer to Hebrews says, we need to examine ourselves to see if we're really in the faith. Okay, so um, yeah, the other other thing I would say is this. What needs to be understood about the Christian life 
is something which we call the already but not yet principle, or sometimes it's called a hermeneutic, which is helpful. Uh, a hermeneutic is a lens through which we read the Bible. Okay. So when we talk about the already but not yet, what that means is that with Jesus, he has come and he has inaugurated his kingdom, right? It's called inaugurated eschatology. What that means is this Jesus has come, he is reigning in heaven, and one day his reign is going to come to earth. So has the kingdom come? Yes. Is Jesus the king? Yes, he is the king already, and his kingdom has come already, but it has not yet come in fullness. So do we are we liberated from the bondage of sin? Yes, already, but not yet, right? So we live in this tension. And one of the ways the Bible describes this tension is by comparing it to the dawn. So in First Peter, uh, or sorry, Second Peter, chapter one, Peter compares it to the dawn. And dawn is an interesting time, right? It's a time when light and darkness exist at the same time. It's not yet morning. It's not yet the new day, but it's no longer nighttime either. The darkness has been broken already, but not yet has the new day come. And so that's where we live in, in relation. To that. That's what it means to be a Christian today is that we are saved already, but we're not saved yet, right? We're saved in one sense, but we're not yet. Our salvation hasn't yet been fully realized. And in the same way, are we sinners or are we saints? The answer is we are both right now. We live in this in-between period in which we are sinners saved by God's grace. And so we still sin, and yet we have been made new and set free from the power of sin. And one day through sanctification, ultimately we will reach glorification. So you can think of it like this. Salvation has kind of three steps. Justification, that's past tense. You have been saved sanctification, that's present tense. You are being saved presently from the power of sin. And glorification, you will be saved from the presence of sin in the time which is yet to come. And so we live in this already but not yet tension, but John is telling us, hey, look, as Christians, you're going to sin. We have an advocate before the Father. But I'm writing to this to you so that you will not sin, so that you won't think it's okay, and that you won't practice it. And if you do practice it and you think it's okay, then you really need to examine yourself. Maybe you're not even saved at all. Yeah. Well, that's really great, Pastor. Yeah. I know uh, it's like I was, I was talking to your other brother about um, basically, you know, ever since I have given my life to Christ, the Holy Spirit's come in me, and now there's a conviction of the sin. So it's so it's good. it's already proof that the Lord's working in you, you know, That's and right. it's 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 like before I was saved, I wouldn't even think twice about it. You know, you don't even think about it; you just do it. But now that Christ is living inside of you, He goes, "Hey, buddy, what what's up with this or this or this?" You know. Yeah. And you know, I think that's a great uh, thing that comes out of First John reading it is that you realize, okay, hey, you've been transformed. And like you could compare it with second or second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17, where it says that you are a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. Um, the new has come. And I like to describe it like this. What that means is that you're, you're a new creature. You're a new animal. You know, you used to be a, a, you know, a pig and a sheep. They're two different animals and they relate to sin differently. Right. In other words, a, a, they both might fall in the mud on occasion, 
but the pig lives for it. The pig goes to sleep at night, dreaming about how he's going to wake up in the morning and go find some mud and roll around in it. Whereas the sheep might fall in the mud, but it's not their goal. They're not pursuing that. So That's great. Well, uh, love you guys. Bless you guys. Thank you for all that you do, man. I listen to you guys every day on the drive home from work and go into work. So it just, it, it really encourages me to stay in the Lord every day. And you're blessing a ton of other people. So keep up what you're doing. Oh, Josh, that's so encouraging. Thanks so much. God bless you. Yeah, man. All right. Bye-bye. Have a great day. You too. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick from Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air, answering your questions about the Bible and about life, how those two intersect, answering your prayer requests. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you here on the show. Give us a call or text us. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Again, the text line is seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go back to our text line as we wait for more calls to come in. Someone uh, responding to our earlier discussion about suicide uh, asked this question. They said, "What if someone gets a cancer diagnosis and refuses treatment?" knowing that it will kill them. Does that count as suicide? Yeah, I think the answer to that is it maybe varies, right? I'm not sure that there's just one simple answer to that question. Let's put it this way. Like if there's a very easy and simple way for me to be, um, to not die, right? Like then would it be suicide for me to, to passively you know, allow myself to die. I guess it depends on the situation. I think there are some cases where you would say, um, you know, like if if you never wear a seatbelt, um, would that be, you know, sinful? Not not taking responsibility and doing something that could easily save your life. Um, but when it gets to a cancer diagnosis, I mean, sometimes depending on how far along the cancer is depending on the treatment that is required to treat it, depending on the prognosis, then I think that there are legitimate times when someone can say, you know what, I want to just have palliative care. I want to live the rest of my life for the glory of God. And I want him to take me home because I want to be with Jesus. I think that's okay in some cases. But again, if you, if you get like, you know, you got like stage one skin cancer on your arm and you're like, you know what? I'm not getting treatment. I'm just going to let this thing ride. I would actually uh, say that you you really need to reconsider that from a follower of Jesus perspective. And the reason is because uh, I would say, look, as long as there's breath in your lungs, God isn't finished with you yet. And he has a purpose and a calling for your life. You're going to get to spend eternity in heaven this window of time you have right now is short and it matters, right? There are things that you can only do in this life that you won't be able to do in heaven. For example, you won't be able to preach the gospel in heaven and see people's life and eternal destiny be changed as a result of them coming to trust in Jesus. In heaven, there's not going to be sorrow and suffering, so you won't have the opportunity to relieve suffering, in the lives of other people. That's something that you can only do here on this earth. It's only here on this earth that you get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And it's a relatively short window of time. 
And so I always encourage people, Hey, you know, don't, don't rush it. Don't try and get it over. You know, that's exactly what Paul the apostle is saying in Philippians chapter one, where he says, man, to live as Christ, to die as gain. I'm torn. I'm really torn. It, it would be better for me to go and be with the Lord, but I know that I have a calling to be here and for God to use me here in this life. And that's why he concludes. He says, well, knowing this, that God has a purpose for me here in your lives, I'm going to stay and I'm going to pursue that calling until there's no more life left in me. Now, again, if, um, you know, the care that's required is something that is, you know, not, not very probable to work or something which is going to make your existence and the existence of those around you much worse. I think there are times when it's okay to say, you know, this is, um, this is the situation and, and I'm just going to accept it and let the Lord take me home. So I think it requires, like many other questions, wisdom. It's going to require looking at the setting that you're in, and it's going to require prayer and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to answer that question. But thank you so much for the thoughtful question. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Carrie in Elbert, Colorado. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. What's up? Um, I have a prayer request, uh, two prayer requests. Okay. Um, one is that 2020 really um, really did a number on my church, and then there was a, a lot of other things, but there's really, uh, my church is really struggling, and mm -hmm. God knows which one it is, and I guess I would just ask for prayer for the um, for the leadership and for the just for God to do what He needs to do in it. I guess I don't I don't know what He's doing. It looks like He's going to dismantle it, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, um, let's do that. And I don't want to see that because I love the people, but there's so few people that are going right now. Anyway, we can pray for that. And then my um, friend, just her initial is her first initial is C. That. Okay. Um, I baptized this, I was mentoring this young lady, and I, um, she asked me to baptize her, and I was just thrilled to do it, and I baptized her in 2019, and then she just started getting some really weird ideas in 2020, and, you know, that happened. In 2021, we had a lot of my close family members died, and so I wasn't even here. And then we got to the end of 2021, and she tells me, oh, she's dating a girl, and she's going to... Uh, have a transition to to do a surgical transition to be a man as if that was a thing that could be done. And so it's okay. just really we, yeah. we had a lot of conversations and she's not hearing anything. She's just she's mad at God for all the reasons and really struggling and I just I don't know what to do with her. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, we lift up Carrie's church to you just the church struggling so much coming out of COVID and not sure if it's going to continue as a fellowship of believers. Lord, we pray that your will would be done in that church. Lord, if it is your will that that church continue and not disband, Lord, I pray that you would cause people to rise up within the church who will take leadership, who will be assertive and take hold of your word and point people back to you. 
But Lord, if it if it's a time a thing where like like in many churches throughout history it had a season in which you used it, and maybe that season's over, Lord, I pray that you'd make that clear too. But I pray that it wouldn't be a decision that's made purely based on outward variables like money or attendance. Lord, I pray that your spirit would guide people and that you would raise up the leaders if you want that church to be strong and continue. So Lord, pray for Carrie and I pray that you'd, um, Lord, help her as part of that congregation to be seeking you as the leadership is seeking you for the next steps for this community of believers. So we pray your will to be done there. But we also pray for Carrie's friend C and what she's going through with um, the gender dysphoria and the the um, sounds like homosexuality. Lord, we pray for her that she would first give her life to you, that she would give her heart to you and herself, and that she would truly become a disciple of Jesus. Lord, that she would be called back to that place of discipleship and following you, and that she would respond to that call. Lord, we pray for Carrie to have a lot of wisdom and how to minister to her friend, how to help her to walk in the way of Jesus, what to say and what not to say, when to say it and how to say it well. Lord, we pray for her that you would, by the power of your spirit, anoint her to speak into the situation and give her the words that are needed. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. You bet. Thanks for calling in. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got time for about one more call. Let's go to James in Texas. Hi, James. Welcome to the program. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. What can we do for you? Uh, well, I, you know, just the subject, I guess, of, uh, you know, Satan and I guess even hell. Uh, you know, I've run into people that don't believe it, you know, that the Bible doesn't preach, uh, that there's a hell or a devil. Um, you know, I've even heard that basically when it says devil, it's talking about your flesh. Mm. Uh, so just, you know, kind of what your thoughts on that. So. Yeah, my thoughts on that. Um, well, certainly the Bible talks about a lot of um, spiritual beings, right? And when it talks about those other spiritual beings, such as angels, do we then say that those are not real beings? Because I'll tell you this. Okay, Satan, there's really three names. Okay, we've got the devil, Satan, and Lucifer. Of those, Lucifer is the name of this being that uh, we're given in the Bible. And um, okay, so Satan means adversary in Hebrew. Devil is a Greek word for accuser, right? So these describe what he does. He's our adversary and he accuses us, right? That's why we need to have, as we read earlier from 1 John chapter 2, an advocate. So an accuser is like the person who brings the charge against someone. The advocate is the person who pleads their case before the judge. That's what Jesus is for us. Now, Lucifer, like the story the Bible tells about Lucifer is like a real thing. Like when we read about Jesus being tempted by the devil, he's, this isn't Jesus being tempted by his flesh, right? This is Jesus being tempted by the devil. And it really gets down to an assumption of like, like, here's the deal. If you don't want to believe that the devil is a real person, you have to basically say that when the Bible says this, it doesn't really mean what it says. And at that point, you're, you've already done 
you know, so much. You've just made yourself the arbiter of what is true and what is not true when it comes to the Bible. And if that's the way you want to re react or relate to the word of God, you've got a lot of other problems, right? You are now no longer taking the word of God as the word of God. You're just like going to believe whatever you want to believe. And the Bible might be some people's interpretation, but it's not, not um, the word of God. Now, obviously that's not my view and it's not the view of what I think the Bible demands to be read as. So is there really, like First Peter says, an adversary who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom he can devour? Why is it then that the Bible then describes our three great enemies as Satan, the world, and our flesh? Right? So those are three separate things. Is the world our flesh? No, it's something separate. Therefore, is the devil the same thing as our flesh or the world? No, no, it's a separate thing. There are three things which stand against us. So uh, furthermore, about hell, I mean, Jesus describes it uh, pretty clearly. He talks about hell quite a lot. And um, Christians throughout history have believed in hell. So it would be, you know, going off the farm to say that when the Bible talks about that, you know, it's really interesting because in our popular religion, a lot of people want to believe in heaven as a real place. But then they try to say that hell doesn't really mean hell. I would say that if we take Jesus at his word and if we let the Bible speak to us on its own terms, we have to admit that this is what it's teaching and what it's saying. This is the nature of truth, right? That we don't, things are true whether we like them or whether we want to believe in them or not. And so I would just continue going back to the word of God, looking at what the Bible says about itself, for example, in 2 Timothy, and saying, hey, this is how the Bible presents itself. We must receive it in this way. All right, I have to let you go. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. Check us out this weekend, whitefieldschurch.com. I'll be with you again next week. God bless. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.